All right. I am more than excited to be here, genuinely honored to be here. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an age group where you're at right now is close to the pinnacle of life, except for where I'm at, okay? How about, how about money? I've got a money-saving tip I want to start with, and this is really to just throw a little shade back at Tony. How many of you have an iPad? Quite a few. They're pretty good. I want to save you a ton of money. If you haven't gotten one, get a MyPad. This is it. Tony, Tony was just ridiculing me because I wrote my thoughts out on a legal pad, and he thought, you are so old school. But it's true. I am. I am old. I'm a dad. I'm a grandpa. So guess what's coming next? Did you hear the one about the stuttering felon? The word in the street is he probably won't finish his sentence. Okay, just that, sorry, but it gets worse, it gets worse. Have you heard about the rebellious rainbow? Sent to prism. Don't feel sorry for her, it's a light sentence. And it'll give her time to reflect. Shut up. All right. I'm sorry. I've got more important things to say, but I, I just wanted to share how simple I really am at the end of the day. Okay, I'm uh, happily married. That's my fam. It's an Instagram pic. We don't always look that good for sure. There's another picture of Jane and I coming up here. Okay, there's the jam jar glasses. That's a little closer to home. And then I have earned a living my entire life in the blue collar world. I want to show you a picture of me in the truck. All right. I, I'm, I'm now calling it kind of a light blue collar world. I'm a painting contractor, but I, I own the business. So there's a little bit of white collar, so light blue collar world is how I've earned a living, okay? It gets to, you get to know me a little bit that way. I've been alive a long time. In fact, let me ask you a question. True or false? I'm so old that I invented t-shirts. Sorry, thank you. Thank you. I know, I know. I Scratch that one, Tony. Not use that one again. Okay. I, uh, I, I am excited. The future's looking bright for me. I'm old, but I'm tiptoeing towards semi-retirement. I am planning to apply to be staff SSP intern for next year. Is it? Tony, is, can seniors apply? Okay, we're there. All right. Well, let's get going. Uh, I want to share what makes me tick. And, and I'm calling it what my worldview is, and it really is true of all of us. All of us have a worldview. My worldview is three parts. What do I think is real? What do I think will make me real happy? And what do I think will keep me real happy? And our worldview is a major impact in what is my priority in life and what are the choices that I make in life. So I want to look at those things right now. For me, what I believe is real is, first of all, part one, observable. 
something I can see, taste, touch, feel, something that's sensual. It's, it's indisputable. It's real. You can't deny it. I'm also persuaded that there is a reality in things that are unseen. So unseen is not the equivalent of unreal. And, and we know all about that. There's virus and bacteria and electromagnetic energy. There's radiation. Okay, we can't see it with our visible eye, but it's real. So, so hold on to that. Unseen is not synonymous with unreal. And there's even a, a, a deeper unseen, which would be thoughts, emotions, motives, very real, very impacting, but not seen. So my real, our real is genuinely really complex. It's, a, it's an intersection of the seen and unseen world, and it makes a huge impact on our lives. So the answer to part two of my worldview definition is genuinely simple. Whatever makes me feel good will make me happy right now. But frankly, that part of my worldview forced me to add part three of my worldview, which is what will keep me real happy? Because I found that there was a genuine tension between part two, what will make me feel real happy, and part three, what will keep me real happy. I, uh, I just used the word persuade a minute ago. The definition, do we have that up on the screen? It's pretty simple. We all know this one. To cause someone to believe and or do something through reasoning or argument. To cause someone to believe or do something through reasoning or argument. And, and how do we reason? How do we argue? We use words, right? Um, is there anybody out here who's an English major? loves words, or maybe you're an aspiring author, maybe you're on a pre-law track, and you have recognized the value of words, they've impacted you, and you want to harness words to persuade other people, either in a, in a monetary way or in a relational way. So words are really important. That's why books are often written. And, and there's one author who had a huge impact, and continues to in my life, a best-selling author, uh, compilation is his best-selling, and it's genuinely an autobiographical compilation. And he's written under a lot of different pseudonyms, but I think you all will know him by the most common name, which is God. <laughs> his specialty is nonfiction. <laughs> you see what I did there? Okay. Um, he takes us into the most unseen category. It's a category that's outside of our time and space. And he is an amazing invitation in that compilation. He is inviting us to come and live with him. His invitation is to come and live with him. And he's arguably the reigning expert on words. But here's what's unique about God's word as compared to our words. When he says something, it isn't confined to just persuading or convincing. 
And he certainly isn't tempting or luring or inducing or coercing. But his word is capable of creating. And I don't mean just rearranging stuff that already exists so that it's interesting or beautiful. But his word is capable and does actually create stuff. It's the genesis of stuff. God introduced me to this realm that's outside of time and space as we know it and uh, invited me to come and live with him. And though he is a sovereign, it was not a command. It was genuine ask. Terry, would you come and share life with me? It really impacted my worldview because I had gotten to the point and I sense that many of you are there or were there where there was a, a definite tension between the part two, what will make me real happy, and part three, what will keep me real happy. And what I found is when I was chasing number two, it was definitely sabotaging number three because I didn't stay real happy. Well, the Bible uses words, God's words, and it's actually a mammoth tapestry of words. And when I saw the big picture in the Bible, I had a genuine aha moment. There are many nations, tribes, tongues, and people. There are many. But there are only two kingdoms. There's only two kingdoms. The one that we, all of us, are mired in is morbidly competitive and hierarchical. It is selfish, it's rude, it's mean, it's proud, and sadly, it's even suicidal. The fruit of our kingdom is hatred, anxiety, betrayal, impatience, depression, hoarding, infidelity, violence. Does that sound familiar? It is, it's our reality, it's our planet's reality. And God calls our kingdom darkness. This is the kingdom of darkness. And he told me in his word, by his spirit, he said, Terry, I want to introduce you to a new kingdom. I call your kingdom darkness. My kingdom is light. There are dangers all around you in your kingdom. They're camouflaged and hidden by darkness. And the things that you are naturally drawn to are actually bait. And there's a big hook hidden in the bait. When he told me that he had arranged for me to have all of the rights and privileges of a natural-born citizen in this kingdom of light, that it didn't come at any cost to me, I was blown away. <sighs> but there was one big qualifier, and it's genuinely tough. We can become part of that kingdom of light. We can become citizens that have all the rights and privileges of a natural born. But we can't emigrate there yet. We can't live in the kingdom of light for now because God is first going to demolish the kingdom of darkness. And all of us are struggling with, uh, I shouldn't say that, I shouldn't say all of us, many of us are struggling with 
a divided heart. And we have affections for this kingdom of darkness, but we have seen the goodness of God, the faithfulness of his son. We have known the presence of him by his spirit, and we feel that tension. So anyway, that's the summary of my worldview, is that I believe our world is real, and I believe our world is real broken. But the God who said back in the beginning, let there be light, is still promising to use his authority to make everything new, to make everything right. It just hasn't happened yet. That's why he has given us his word, to encourage us, to advise us, to warn us. So, whew, thank you, God. Possibly you're thinking if you've never heard that God wants to live with you and you with him, and it sounds too good to be true, I understand that. You might be wondering, what is this God's agenda? There's got to be strings attached. This genuinely sounds too good to be true. But I, I'd like us to look at uh, a text in God's word from Acts 17, verses 24 and 25. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. And so I realized God didn't have anything in me that he needed. He had everything in him that I needed. So I got jazzed. I got excited about the possibilities of this new kingdom. And he didn't stop there. He said, I have launched the most expensive adoption program in history. My plan through offering my son is to call you my son, my daughter. Wow. Everything that God has is mine in Christ. I'm royally rich. So that's the premise. That's my worldview that I try to navigate through this life to answer the question, how then shall I live? How, what, how can I pursue happiness? Because it's what we are all pursuing. If my future is in a different kingdom, with a different economy, different agendas, different definitions, there must be different strategies. And that's what the Bible is for. So tonight we're looking at a, a, some verses in Colossians that were written not to persuade Gentiles in that city to become Christians. It's written to the church. It's written to the church in Colossia. And it has advice for them because they're still stuck in the broken, dark kingdom. So in a way, Paul is encouraging them to reminisce, to remember your aha moment with Jesus. Do you remember when you experienced his non-judgmental, unconditional love and called you his own? Have you ever seen the face of someone who's just recently engaged, who, who said yes to the invitation to share life forever with them? We need to keep going back, those of us who have begun to know Jesus and stay in touch with him. Can we look at at Colossians 1.27, uh, 
two, okay. God wanted to, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Colossians 2, 2 and 3 says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is exciting. This is a God who operates out of surplus. He wants to continue to give to his kids. It's not a, a one-night stand. It's not uh, see you later. So it seems kind of obvious, but think about this. If he gave us his only son, will he not also freely give us all things? Does he not have plans for our good and not for our harm? He wants a relationship that continues not because he needs me, not because he needs numbers of followers. He needs to keep giving. That is where God's happy place is. His heart is happiest when he's serving us. It's so Oh, non-intuitive for humans. We live in such a merit-based society. God wants to be our refuge, our strength, our joy, our hope, our healing. So think about it. Have you ever heard of a couple that felt the mutual attraction and started dating and that blossomed and turned into engagement and then they got married and then they moved apart and never lived together, didn't continue in the relationship, didn't remember all of the fun that they had just being with each other. And Paul is saying, if you have tasted of the goodness of God, why would you go somewhere else for some measly snack? Come on, right. You know, this this is just going to stun you, but May 16th, 1991, I was alive. <laughs> I was waiting outside of Jane's apartment for her to come down, walk down the stairs and open the door. It was our first date. I had finally gotten her attention. And she was going to go out I, she, she, this, is, this is the honest-to-God truth. Uh, I'm not interested in a relationship, Terry, but free meal? Okay, I'm in. So we had, we had a wonderful date. She was wearing navy blue with white polka dot, just gorgeous. Five foot two, eyes are blue. Oh, what those five feet can do! But anyway, do you think... Do you think that that was all I wanted, is just one meal with Jane and then stop seeing her? I'm sorry, Jane. But she's used to it. She's used to it. So that's my first date story. 32 years ago, we just celebrated that, that beach shot was us renewing our vows after 30 years with our kids. Yeah, it was wonderful. 
But we continued in our relationship with each other because I wanted what she had to offer and she wanted what I had to offer. And it's, it's been a mostly win-win situation. Oh, relationship is tough, isn't it? With humans, it's tough. With roommates, with lovers, and with God. It, there's, just, there's no denying it. Relationships are hard. But Paul says, this is a relationship that's worth it. Let's go. So Colossians 2.7. No, no, no. We need to see Colossians 2.6. Have we gotten there? So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Don't just stop with the bare essentials when there's so much more. There's a feast ahead. Colossians 2.7. How do we do that? How do we do that? Here's the key. Being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught. So it's very simple. How does a plant grow? Water, soil, time, light, and it grows by just staying there. The seed is God's word. It's going to grow. We just need to stay rooted and established. And, and look, at, look at how that ends, overflowing with gratitude. When we have an emotion of gratitude, does it mean we've been serving? No, it means we've been receiving, overflowing with gratitude. So Paul is saying, this is a relationship that's worth pursuing. Lean in. Okay. A reference to God's continuing to pour into my life. New mercies every morning. Sufficient grace for each day. Paul is saying, Terry, continue the courtship. And, and we all get that. Who doesn't want to grow up? Who doesn't want to graduate? Who doesn't want to get the job, get the promotion? We all, we all fully understand that in the natural world. And Paul is telling us in Colossians, the spiritual life is just the same. You're going to need to figure out, how do you get spiritual calories? You know, how do you eat spiritually? How do you drink spiritually? How do you breathe spiritually? So that you grow up and keep receiving from God. It's not so that you can give him more. It's so that he can give you more. Paul is telling the Colossians, continue. It's totally worth it. Just like athletes train to play and to win. Paul is saying on God's behalf, come on, let's go. We will win. This is going to be the biggest come-from-behind victory in the history of the world. Jesus has already declared, it is finished. The war has been won. He will be sending somebody to take us prisoners of war home. We will be liberated. Our best is yet to come. But verse 8, be careful. God knows there's going to be rivals. He says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on elements of the world rather than Christ. So Paul is just saying, yeah, there's some legitimate problems. There's going to be things that you're taught and, and or attempted to be taught um, friends who will have different opinions and different, compare them to God's word. Use God's word as a filter of, does that really make sense? Could that, could that be the truth? 
You might be seeing some of the obvious questions at surface of why is there suffering? Or what do you mean? I'll be happier if I'm generous than if I hoard. Hmm. So the book has answers. Paul, Paul, on behalf of God, is saying, be aware, there's going to be a lot of different philosophies. There'll be competing agendas for your attention, your affection, your time. Check it out. See if they keep you real happy. Verses 9 and 10, how much is God going to give us? For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. Are you kidding me? So God isn't just forgiving us our sins. He's giving us himself and everything that comes with that. Let's go. The debt isn't just paid. We are now royally rich. Verses 11 and 12. In the Old Testament, there was a rite of circumcision. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Summary of that is circumcision was a sign of God's people in the Old Testament. Baptism is our sign of Jesus is my Lord. I want his death to be counted to me. I want his life to become part of me. Just as he was raised from the dead in newness of life, I want to experience that newness of life that he has promised. There is hope for us. Verses 13 through 15. This is, this is amazing. When you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them. So look at that verse. Who was counted worthy of receiving an eternal inheritance? The answer, dead sinners. We were hopelessly bankrupt, but Jesus, our benefactor, said to God, his father, I'll take their debt. Nail me to their cross. Oh, and dad. Would you give them my riches? Would you give them my righteousness? The accusers in verse, for, in verse 15, the prosecuting attorney, are dumbfounded. They're speechless. They're silent. The case is dismissed against us. I like to call the band up here as uh, I conclude my thoughts by asking you to consider yourself, or just imagine. Imagine you're a college student, it's 1994, and your, your grandfather has died and has, in his will, allowed you to have $10,000 of his estate. There's just one condition. You have to invest it. You can't spend it. There's no toys. He's giving you this 10000 with that one condition. You have to invest it. Well, you've grown up in Chicago, and the Sears 
towering headquarters dominates the skyline over everything else. It's a retail giant. They have a distribution network that covers the, our country for sure and parts of the world at that time. They're like a proven bet, well-respected, solid, fundamental. It's like a no-brainer. This is a no-risk investment. A friend of yours says, uh, wait a minute, um, there's this FANG group that I think you could invest in. It's kind of a new, it's a startup idea. It's an online concept. And you're like, no, 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 no. no. I, I don't want to throw grandpa's money away. I'm sticking with my sure bet, Sears. So fast forward 29 years to today. You probably cannot find a Sears store that's still open. I don't know if you've even heard of Sears. They're bankrupt. They don't exist. But Fang, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google exploded. There's a saying in life that hindsight is 2020, uh, which kind of implies if I knew then what I know now, I would have made a different choice. I would have invested differently. And God is saying, let me give you hindsight right now. Look all the way back to the cross. Look back to where I paid for your debts. And let me give you 2020 foresight because I am orchestrating a come from behind victory that is better than anything that you can imagine. What team do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the bankrupt scene tower in Chicago? Or do you want to be celebrating hallelujah with Jesus forever? Paul is saying continue with Jesus. Maybe that next step of continuing is baptism for some of you. I don't know. But Paul isn't saying that's the only thing or if you do that, that checkbox is done. He's saying just stay in relationship with Jesus. Continue receiving from him. So listen, SSP. God created us to fly like eagles and you will never be happy trying to be like a bat looking for bugs in the dark. So, let's continue to walk with Jesus and one day fly away with him. Hallelujah. Our best is yet to come.